and welcome to another episode of ADHD Women's Wellbeing Wisdom, little short bite-sized pieces of wisdom that I've curated from all the many, many episodes that have been recorded over this time. And I really hope that this short insight will help you on the week ahead. So on today's episode, we hear from JM. Now, Jay is an ADHD life coach. She's a mentor, she's a consultant, and she's a professional cellist. On this short episode, we have a really interesting conversation about imposter syndrome and how we seek the dopamine hits. We're constantly looking and how we find it hard to relax, rest, and what does doing nothing look like with ADHD? So let's hear from Jay. The penny really started started to drop halfway through the second year of my master's music degree, which was in the middle of the pandemic. I couldn't work out why I just couldn't do the assignments. There were the, the assignments were not difficult. I had a wealth of musical knowledge behind me. It was all subjects and topics and things that made perfect sense to me. But as soon as it came to crunch time, my brain was just like, now nah, we're going to check out today. Hey, why don't you go and play Pokemon instead? That sounds awesome. And I'm just thinking, no, this is, I just don't understand. And then even down to the pieces that I wanted to perform, I knew those pieces back to front, inside out, no problem at all. But when it came to, um, as we came out of the pandemic and it came to rehearsing with my pianist, it was like I'd never played the piece before in my life. And I mean, literally like I'd never seen or heard the music before and it just wasn't making any sense. Literally a month and a half before my final recital. So this is what we're in 2020 now. And it was early October And I said, right, that's it. I'm just going to find the money, go for an assessment. And hilariously, within about 10 minutes of the assessment, the psychologist was like, okay, all right, well, would you like to go and take a break, Jay? You're looking a little bit restless. Are you okay? You okay to keep going? I'm like, yep, I'm fine. Twitch, twitch, fidget, fidget. It's all good. I'm fine. Just keep going. And within about 45 minutes, she was like, yeah, I'm pretty certain I can't say this on the record, but I'm pretty certain you have ADHD, but let's finish the assessment anyway. Um, And then two days before my final results came through, my assessment result came back and I like scored almost top marks for both sides of ADHD, um, both inattentive and hyperactive. And I was like, I was so not surprised because I looked at how my kiddo was behaving and I just thought, yeah, figures it literally doesn't surprise me at all. I looked at all the things I've been through myself, no surprise at all. So yeah, it kind of, it came out of the blue and yet made perfect sense, to be perfectly honest. It made absolute sense. I hear this so much. I mean, from a personal perspective, everything you said resonated and I hear it so much, you know, with my clients and people that I speak to, that it is almost like that final missing piece, isn't it? Of explaining and understanding you know your behavior your childhood everything it's like okay now I understand yes and even though it is a bit like oh my god now I've got this diagnosis but I found it very even though there was a lot of other things that kind of laid with it I did find it very helpful to have an explanation because otherwise that negative self-talk just goes, you know, you're lazy, you're disorganized. It just goes on and on and on. There's no stopping it at all because you've got no, you've got nothing to fight back. You've got no 
armor or ammunition to go, actually, no, I'm not lazy. I just have executive dysfunction. Or no, I'm not stupid. My brain is just wired differently to everyone else around me. I am talented, but I'm not, you know, talented be- just because of my parents. I'm talented because my brain's gone. Do you know what? Let's hyper focus on this and we're going to absorb everything we possibly can. There's so much more to consider when you've got all the pieces in place. Absolutely. And what you said then about just signing up for a master's degree and let's do <laughs> yeah. another course, let's do this. Yeah, 100%. I nearly did. I got accepted to do a master's in positive psychology just before the pandemic. And I am so glad that I didn't do it because (laughs) I was tipping over the edge during the pandemic, you know, homeschooling the kids, starting my business, coaching. Uh, I was literally fraught. And if I had, you know, taken something on, And I know that what would have happened is I would have berated myself constantly thinking, why can't I cope? Why am I not coping with everything? I should be doing this. And so it was a blessing that I got really good advice from someone saying, why do you need to do this master's? Like she really, she, she coached me and she said, what are you doing this for? And actually she got into the nitty gritty of it being a bit of an ego thing that I, I thought it would be a nice thing to have a, a master's degree. Yes, and like, wouldn't, it, wouldn't that be nice? But, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But it also tapped into my imposter syndrome as well. So which something that I had always, and again, this is ADHD is the imposter syndrome and putting other people's accomplishments on a pedestal. So I couldn't see anything that I'd achieved. Everything that I achieved was rubbish. It wasn't real. Yeah, really absolutely. Yeah. I bypassed something somehow, like I fluked my way into that, you know, course. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like, nothing I've done is real. My four children aren't real. The house yeah. I'm do- I run is not real. It's, um, it's amazing how you can be so blind to the most obvious things right in front of you, it's it can be terrifying. It really, really can be quite terrifying. Yeah, and I'm so grateful she held that spotlight up for me and said, what are you doing this for? And really, you know, the answer was because it would be a, I don't know, maybe evidence that I'm doing well, maybe evidence that I am clever or whatever. I don't even know what I needed, but I think the assignments and all of that and put handing things in on time would have really been a problem for me. So I'm not saying never, but I don't think I needed that extra level of pressure um, during during the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, no. I, speaking from experience, I can tell you it's not fun <laughs> doing a part-time master's degree whilst trying to keep your business afloat and in the middle of a pandemic and homeschooling your kids. Yeah, no, it's not fun. I can tell you that right now. It's absolutely not fun. I mean, I hilariously, when I applied for my master's degree, Of course, I applied 24 hours before closing deadline because why would I apply any earlier than that? And it was like, okay, I have 24 hours to record 20 minutes of music, pull out an assignment that had at least, was it 10,000 words or 1,000 words? I don't even remember. And then do my own character assessment. I've got 24 hours to do this. But because of my go-getter nature, again, tied into ADHD, it was like, okay, well, we're just going to do it and obviously did it and got in and all the rest of it. But it's bonkers to think that we put ourselves in that situation. And even in that short time frame, I remember thinking, yeah, but why am I doing this? Thankfully, I had valid answers. I'm still glad that I did it. But I know that there are other things like yourself where I've gone, you know what, let me just do this. I'm just going to quickly do this. And then I had to step back and go, yeah, but why? Why are you going to do that? And that's why is one of my favourite questions in the entire world. I love that question so much. 
brilliant so true yeah it really is because i don't think we ask ourselves enough we just well because we should or because it's the right thing to do or we need to or anything like that and i wonder actually after you'd handed in that assignment which sounds you know like hardcore you know all of that you had to get it in get it in on time i wonder how your nervous system was after that that week after because i know for me i would have been it probably would have taken me a few days to get over that because i would have felt so frazzled and burnt out interestingly i think i was all systems go but i think that also comes from years of training subliminal training via music via growing up as a professional cellist or at least as an amateur cellist as a kid you know in orchestras we have to suddenly just snap, be ready to get on stage, perform and just do it. And then, you know, I would have to come off stage and then have to talk to audience members and be, you know, perfectly calm. Oh, you know, how was the concert? Did you enjoy it? Or was it and that, that kind of small talk? So there was already training from that respect in managing, to an extent, managing my nervous system. For me, it's flipped. My nervous system is absolutely through the freaking roof before anything that puts pressure. So I'm like, I'm full on nerves, like absolutely freaking insane. And for the longest time ever, I couldn't perform because stage fright would just eat me alive or whatever was going on. And I just, I just couldn't, like, I just could not engage my brain. But afterwards I'd be like, okay, yeah, cool. Super chill, whatever. No biggie. And I find that the same after I've done presentations or I've just launched myself into yet another scenario where Jay's doing something at the last minute and I come out and I'm like, yep, it's great. When are we doing it again? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so weird, isn't it? It's almost like we crave that adrenaline. We have to have to do it because that's what gets us to the next stage. But the anxiety before is crippling. And I really, you know, I feel that. And it's so many times that I've, I've put myself through that again, I'm not doing that again. But then afterwards, it's like, okay, yeah, I've done it. Yeah. And so that, <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like your brain forgets and you just put yourself through it again. This podcast is ADHD Women's Wellbeing. And I do try and touch on different techniques and coping strategies. And I, and I just wonder what things that you do for you to come out of that kind of cycle of so, frenzy. Yeah, the, 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 <laughs> the frenzy. So I know all too well that I am always on the lookout for dopamine. We have ADHD, we want the dopamine, we want that feel good. Um, so we're going to look for the things that give us that feel good factor. The thing to do that has worked for me and I'm working through with some of my clients at the moment actually is is literally identifying every single little thing that gives that feel-good factor. Now, some of them are going to be absolutely massive feel-good factors, like going on stage and you know playing a cello or launching a course or whatever. Those are massive feel-goods for me. Those are massive dopamine hits. But then at the same time, I have little dopamine hits. <laughs> Things as simple as sitting down at my desk and just scribbling anything into my planner first thing in the morning. I'm like, yay! I mean, I've written rubbish in there. It doesn't matter. At least I put something in there. Yay me. Um, little things like <laughs> remembering to put my water bottle on my desk. Yay. It's not huge, but I, yay, I remember to do something. Yay me. It is finding the smallest of the dopamine hits. So if I can chug along in my day with the small dopamine hits, that's fine because I'm not breaking myself. I'm not pushing myself to the absolute wall and through it. I'm literally just chugging along nice and quietly on like an even keel until I feel myself needing a bigger hit. 
by that point, it's like, okay, well, I've got the energy because I've been on a low, slow burner. By the time I need the bigger hits, like I'm ready for it. Like, okay, great. Let's do this. Let's go. And I know that I'm going to massively enjoy that big hit. There's going to be an almighty come down probably, but I know that when I come down, I can go as low as I need to, but still have the small dopamine hits just to keep me ticking over. And I think that's the problem. We, I think we tend to we tend to keep looking for the massive hits. We tend to look for the things that are absolutely huge where it kind of blows us out of the water and we're like, yes, this is insane. It's like the roller coaster, but we forget the small stuff. You know, we're told to not sweat the small stuff, but we should look for the small stuff. I feel like we should appreciate the small stuff and use the small stuff. It takes some getting used to for some people because for some it's not enough. But if you keep stringing them along and keep finding them, even just finding them is a dopamine hit. It's just, it's that. It's just keep looking for the small dopamine hits. And that's what's worked for me. Just yesterday, I had uh, a call with a client and she was saying, Jay, you know, I'm desperate to take a break. I'm constantly plowing on and I'm constantly working and I love it. It's great, but I need to stop because I'm going to burn out. So I said, well, what does it feel like to do nothing? She's like, I can't do nothing. And I said, well, yeah, but what is nothing? What is doing nothing? For me, doing nothing is watching TV. For me, doing nothing is repotting my plants. For me, doing nothing is reading a book or listening to a podcast or stuff like that. But it's books and podcasts that I once listened to that I particularly enjoy. I'm getting a little buzz out of. So sometimes it is just find your version of doing nothing and do that whether doing nothing is playing with your plants or repotting something or watching TV, or <laughs> as I've done in the past, just lying on the floor and staring at the ceiling because I've done that too. And that has been a feel good. That's like, do you know what? This feels great. Okay. I don't want to move now. I'm stuck in call waiting mode and that's fine. And it is permission. It's self-permission to say, do you know what? It's fine. I'm doing nothing right now. It's fine. Yeah. I think that's great advice. I think whatever that doing nothing looks like for you, do yeah. it. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, I if I really need to switch off, and again, I, I have to like literally throw my phone away. Like <laughs> yes. it's, it's, I will do something with my phone. And so I put my phone away and actually making dinner, a lot of other people think, oh, that's a chore. But for me, cooking is relaxing. If I've got the kitchen to myself and I put like, music on and I just listen to the music and I cook that is an amazingly relaxing thing so to someone else that might just be like oh I hate the chore of making dinner yeah. or you know <laughs> yeah. if I go for a walk with my dog that is me doing nothing that's me listening to my favorite podcast walking my dog that's super relaxing so I think you're right give yourself permission just to kind of relax in the way that relaxes you because it might not relax someone without ADHD. Yeah, exactly. Um, Literally, the question is, what does your nothing look like? Because it's limitless. There's, there's no scale. There's no ends. There's no right or wrong. It's literally, what does your nothing look like? And find your dopamine within that nothing. And yeah, that works beautifully. So I hope you enjoyed listening to this shorter episode of the ADHD Women's Wellbeing podcast. I've called it the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Wisdom because I believe there's so much wisdom in the guests that I have on and their insights. So sometimes we just need that little bit of a reminder and I hope that has helped you today and look forward to seeing you back on the brand new episode on Thursday. Have a good rest of your week. <laughs>